0: On your radio and in the game, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Hey, we made it to Friday, Friday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi on supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV, and of course on your Super Talk Mississippi Radio stations. Glad to have you along for the ride today with Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross. We have uh, we have accomplished something. Hey Dad, um, I, we, we, we we pushed Michael Borkey out, right? I mean, he's like, I got to have the rest of the week off. We have uh, apparently now pushed Will East out as well. He's like, right, two days of you guys, that's enough. And so we got Lance in the studio today. Uh, maiden voyage for Lance on Sports Talk Mississippi, and we are glad to have him along for the ride, Lance. We just hope that. You will not feel that after one single show, you're you, you go to Will. You're like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Not with those guys.
3: Not anymore. Man, I'm. It's an honor. I listen to you guys every day. So I'm just gonna try not to mess up y'all's amazing work. That's what I'm here for. I just wish we were all in
1: the studio together so we could haze you and make you get us some beer and and then you know clean up the the studio after us and stuff like or that. Or hug
2: him after that initial comment. We might want him here forever. That is a good cut. Co- Hey man, I, talked I, I, to us that's true, that true. nicely
3: i can get beer you know i'm the grunt i can do whatever i'm the bench player so just call me in i'm ready to go <laughs> there we go is that is that punishment
2: if you have to go pick that up I, I'm, I'm not sure not sure how that works hey we're glad to be with you in the pearl river resort studios pearl river resort is the home of lots they got a lot of stuff at pearl river resort we are getting close to the opening of geyser falls water park just about warm enough, closing in on Memorial Day weekend. Great place for you to get away with the family for a day or for a weekend. Geyser Falls, part of Pearl River Resort, pearlriverresort.com. C Spire text line is open to you. 601-879-4395. Gigabit Fiber Internet from C Spire Business can help your business. Let them help you at seaspirecom slash business. So... The Watch ESPN app, at least for, for now, is not working on my iPad, hey, Dad. But I don't even know that I'm mad about that. Ole Miss and Alabama are playing a doubleheader today. Uh, I guess there's a threat of inclement weather tomorrow, and so they decided to play two today. They got started at uh, 2 o'clock. Alabama got two in the first. They got four in the second. And the Crimson Tide is out to a 6 nothing lead over Ole Miss Now batting in the bottom of the third. Rebels have gone to the bullpen already. So. There you go. There you go. You might have been been right when you said that.
1: That literally may be all the Ole Miss baseball talk you get today.
2: It's possible. Uh, We'll see. We will uh, perhaps take a glance at last night's ballgame. There's one other game going on right now. Missouri and Auburn playing a doubleheader today on the Plains. No score between... Uh, two of the hottest teams in the league, uh, Missouri up to 10 and 17, but they have been playing very well as of late. Auburn now over 500 at 14 and 13. With a big weekend against Missouri, there is a scenario where Auburn could play themselves into a host spot into one of the top 16 seeds in the tournament, which uh, certainly felt like a long shot when they were sitting there at five and 10 in league play at the halfway point.
1: You know, we always talk in in normal seasons, we talk about Mississippi State and Ole Miss being able to host. Alabama and Auburn may both host this year. Do you
2: think Alabama fans would show up for a regional?
1: That's a good question. I mean, when's the last time they hosted one? I I think they'd
2: come. I mean, I I I would think so, but I, I am convinced. And Auburn has done a better job this year. In terms of showing up for, for games, they're averaging about 4,000 a game and they fill up their ballpark. You know, it's, it's not as big as some, but they fill it up. But I'm convinced that there's a large number of Alabama and Auburn fans that think the only time either of those teams actually play baseball is when they play against each other in the SEC tournament in Hoover and all of a sudden 14,000 people need to watch it. But they might not have 14000 for a weekend series in either of those ballparks when they're playing at home. It's like, come on, guys. It's it's time it's time to embrace college baseball. You're in the SEC West. It's time. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, we'll see what happens with this coaching search at, at Alabama because that will be a good indicator of whether or not they're willing to embrace it. If they go out and find a, a truly good coach and pay him a good salary and put that kind of effort into it then obviously they're taking it seriously but i mean right now that's a good team they they're a good story too they've rallied around their seemingly or, you know the, the, they've rallied around the fact that their seemingly corrupt coach has been you know let go and since he left they've been playing better
2: i feel like for the sake of safety we we feel the need to put a qualifier on it like seemingly that's I said. corrupt Seeming, seemingly Yes. But when the security camera in the sports book showed his name on the phone of the guy placing the bet, who was talking on speakerphone and referring to him his, him as coach, coach, you sure coach, it feels like we can maybe take the qualifier away. He was a corrupt head coach. You
1: know, and, until I see a headline that says this is happening, I'm gonna stick with seemingly and allegedly.
2: I don't know if there's going to be a headline.
1: Ah, something will happen. Because that's a crime. Something, something will happen.
2: Yeah, but I think that's a really hard to punish crime.
1: We'll, we'll see. We, uh, the NCAA would do something, though. If, if, they, if they found out he, he was involved in gambling, they would probably ban him from coaching for life
2: yeah well, maybe maybe that is going to uh, happen somewhere along the way. Scores from last night as almost everybody got started. Uh, you did not have a game on the plains of Missouri and Auburn last night. Tennessee South Carolina did not play because of inclement weather uh, last night either. LSU eight to five over Georgia, but it took 12 innings to get it done. Look for a while like Georgia might be able to pull off the upset of number five LSU at home. But with that loss and with the fact that Missouri didn't play, combined with the fact that Mississippi State came from behind once again, there's still a breath, there's still a chance, there's still a little bit of hope in Starkville. It exists. So, so, there's a glimmer. So so you're I, I'm so you're you.
1: saying There there is a chance. There's a chance they got to win two more, and they, you know, and even then they got to have some other things go their way. But we'll
2: see. So what? What? It's a a combination of somewhere between six and nine things has to happen, right? Yes, that would be a
1: nice way of putting it.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. State's got to win all three. They've got to sweep a and m. And either Missouri or Georgia has to be swept. I believe that is correct. Unless there is a tiebreak scenario think, in there think, with one of those two teams, if they finish, I think tied, the Georgia you got a chance.
1: Somebody sent it to me, and it, it, I just I can't be bothered at this point. I just know that I think if State has a tiebreaker with Georgia, they win it. With Missouri, they don't. And I think Florida the tiebreaker is actually the LSU is the LSU series.
2: Okay. So, which would make sense? Yeah. Florida beat Kentucky ten to three last night. Alabama beat Ole Miss four to one. Rebels had a deep fly ball where the right fielder, not literally but figuratively, had his back against the wall. Heels were about eighteen inches off the wall. Reaches up, makes the catch, squeezes it. What would have been a game tying home run in the top of the ninth inning instead it was just a deep fly ball out, and Alabama gets a four to one win in game one of the series. Arkansas beat Vanderbilt eight to two. Vandy, uh, a little surprisingly, committed four errors in the ball game last night, and Mississippi State comes from behind and they walk it off with Amani Larry's second home run of the game, a three two three two or three three run shot. Two, run, two shot. run shot. They had tied the game out previously tied in the inning. And, and yeah. then a two run shot to win it 10 to 8. And we need to talk more about that. And we will do it coming up yeah. in uh, just a but little Vandy, bit. Vandy, man.
1: That's hmm. nine of 10 losses now for Vandy. Goodness gracious.
2: Right? Yeah. I mean, they've fallen apart. Going the wrong way.
1: Them and South Carolina going the wrong way.
2: Okay, I, I got a message from a friend that says that both Missouri and Georgia own the tiebreakers. So,
1: See, I'm wondering about that because that makes sense to me. I was thinking about it. It's supposed to be your common record against the highest-ranked opponent. I think last weekend no LSU. Ahead. Right, and so I think LSU is behind Arkansas in the polls now, right? You mean we're or, or in the division standing. Yeah, so... Arkansas becomes the common opponent for state and Georgia, and Georgia swept them. So that could be the issue there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes sense. A lot going on. A lot going on. Long story short, if state doesn't win today or win tomorrow, it doesn't matter.
2: Corey Connors leading the PGA Championship at 5-under. He's 2-under on his round through 10 today. That's after shooting a 67 yesterday. Scotty Scheffler's 1-under today, 4-under for the championship, one shot back. Keegan Bradley, 2-under today, 4-under for the championship. He's one back the group of Victor Hoblin, Bryson DeChambeau, and Justin son, or Sue. I think it was Sue at uh, 2-under par as well. Sure. We'll be back. Sports Talk, Mississippi, in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
0: Opening in Mississippi Sports. You'll hear about it first, right here. Sports Talk, Mississippi.
2: Guest coming up today on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. One of them on the phone, the other in studio on the phone in our next segment. John Cox will join us from Pete Taylor Park. We will talk about the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles, who won again last night. If you're keeping score at home, if you've got a tote board, that's 14 straight. Yep, there you go. 1-4. I, I, yep. I thought it was 15. No, last night made 14. Okay, I thought it was 15. My bad. No, 14 in a row. It'll be 15 today. It'll be fine. I would certainly think so. Yeah. If you're a keeping score at home, then you will perhaps be ready to see a back-to-back winner with the Ferris Trophy. If you're keeping score at home, you also should know that we already got a complaint about not talking about Southern Miss last night. Just, just come on. I mean, do you know how much happier you would be if you didn't go through life looking for a reason to be offended? Like, if you didn't just wake up and go, who's going to slight me today? Let me see if in the first 11 and a half minutes... I mean, other. I just, I can't even. I, I just can't. I just can't. Eh, it just is what it is.
1: It's all right. It's gonna be okay. Hey, real quick. Yes, I know we were talking about baseball, but some big, some big, big news out of college athletics just now. Oh yes. uh, Southern Cal athletic director Mike Bone has resigned. Oh, or Bond? I don't know.
2: Bone. Yeah, Mike Bone went to went to Southern Cal a couple yeah. of years ago from Cincinnati. He has resigned effective immediately. Ooh, that says... Uh, kind of effective immediately, never
1: good, right? Never good. Ooh. What did
2: Reggie Bush do now? Hold on a second. I wonder if that means that the young kid that... I mean, and I'm using the term kid loosely, but he's got like a 28- or 32-year-old chief of staff that is like this... going to jump into the big de- chair? Wow, that's what I'm wondering... I mean, you want to talk about a That's step? That's a big
1: job for a kid for somebody that young. Goodness no gracious! No kidding,
2: no kidding. Yeah. But that, yeah, that literally just broke on Twitter five minutes ago. Wow! And of course, you've got the uh, the passing of the great and the legendary Jim Brown happened uh, earlier today in uh, Los Angeles. Passed away in his home peacefully. 1964 NFL champion after a three year career at Syracuse. He was the sixth pick of the first round in the 1957 draft. Three-time MVP, NFL Rookie of the Year in 1957, eight-time first-team All-Pro. That, that's your you measure. It's gr- not Pro Bowls. It's All-Pro, and he was All-Pro. an eight-time first-team All-Pro player in the NFL. It was uh, entire career with Cleveland. And it was a short career. He was 1957 well, he walked to
1: 1965. Away. He walked away to pursue Hollywood. And had, you know, then on top of that became a major motion picture star. Is in yeah. one of my favorite movies of all time, The Dirty Dozen. hmm And, you know, became, and then became, a, I mean, a guy who became more than just a football player throughout his life. So, yeah, and of course, yes. if we're talking about the goats, talking about the goat running backs, better you better say him in the first three, or I won't take you
2: seriously. Okay. Oh, well. Wow reading through his biography, and there's other post-football activities, one of which is Brown posed nude in the September 1974 issue of Playgirl magazine. Legend. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. He was... Um,
1: Learned something every day.
2: Yeah. So, what, nine years in the NFL, 12,000 yards, yeah. a little over 12,000 yards, 106 touchdowns average 104 mm-hmm. yards per game for his career just outstanding.
1: Also all-American I think in two other sports at Syracuse as well.
2: Good grief, hey dad, he was in like 30 or 40 movies. Yeah. It's an acting career that began in 1964 and went all the way through 2019. Yep. Uh, most most recently portrayed himself in a documentary called "The Black Godfather." It was uh, Jim Brown, passed away today yep. at the age of eighty-seven. So he was in any given Sunday. Rest in peace. Yeah, nineteen ninety-nine. Played the uh, role of Montezuma he- Monroe.
1: <laughs> he was he was the defensive coordinator. I always laughed at that.
2: <laughs> like this is typecast, not exactly typecast. Type ca- they didn't sidecast him. Yeah, they, like you're going to be the defensive coach. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Mississippi State. Last night, they did it again. Hey, Dad. They are down seven to two, going into the bottom of the fifth inning. They start chipping away. This is a team that looks super engaged. Right now, they're on the outside looking in for the SEC tournament. That means they are in 13th place in the Southeastern Conference with two days left in the regular season. And this team, to me, looks like there is nowhere they would rather be than at the ballpark with each other. They've got pitchers mm-hmm. that are grinding it out on the mound. Hey, remember the magic number on walks?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What, what, yeah. what, was, what was the number? It was five. It was five. How many walks did they have last night as a staff? Three times that amount, 15. 15 walks, and they won. And they won the game. What is going on with this baseball team?
1: Especially when you take into account the way they played against Tennessee and Arkansas. Arkansas especially. I mean, if you were at the ballpark at Diddy Noble that weekend, you saw a team that didn't sort of the opposite of what you just said. They did not want to be at the ballpark with each other. They wanted to they looked like they were just playing out the string and one at the season to end. And if you could have told them after that Sunday game, look, don't worry about these next six, I think they might have taken you up on it. But and I don't know if it's something the Lamonas did. I don't know if some of the team came up with themselves, but they found a spark, they found some motivation. And now they're playing. They're not. Here's the thing, though: isn't they're not playing good baseball. They're still walking too many guys defensively. There's still lapses. There's still base running errors. They're still leaving guys on base in, in critical times. But they're finding a way to win. And you know that's something you look throughout the season. They didn't do enough of. They've got. There are three or four or five games I could circle and say if they had won this game, we're having a totally different discussion about Mississippi State. You think about the Friday Kentucky game. You think about two of the three games against Auburn. If you think about the Friday game against Ole Miss, um, if you think about the game at Tennessee where they were up seven to two and couldn't hold on to the lead, I mean they just have so many games like this. Mm-hmm. But these last three games, they found a way to win. They found a way to get the job done. They've they've had to come from behind in all of these games. They were down seven seven to two last night, and you think, okay, well here they go, another one of these games. Instead, they end up, you know, grinding and grinding and grinding, and finally they get the, they, they do it. And they kind of did to Texas A&M what teams have done to State all year. They, they capitalize on A&M's mistakes. And then when Amani Larry had a chance to be the hero, he took it. And so now, so, like we said, that, that, that glimmer of hope is there for State.
2: Slade Alford has one hit last night, but it's a th- three-run double in the bottom of the fifth inning. And now all of a sudden you're like, ooh. Okay, it's not 7-2 to two anymore, it's 7-5. to five. And then in the sixth inning, you get the Amani larry home run to make it a one-run game. And then you get a uh, sacrifice fly from Hunter Hines to tie it up. And then immediately, in the top of the seventh, you give up a home run. a and back in front, 8-7. to seven. Then you get to the bottom of the ninth inning. And by the way, I don't know if, the, if it's just that A&M has no arms in its bullpen, which is altogether possible. Or the guys that they ran out last night have been way better than they were last night. But Brandon Garcia, he didn't look like he could throw a strike. It was kind of a three-quarter arm slot, and everything was falling across the plate, and he left the balls up. And then they go to Will Johnston, and it's no good for him, and he gives up the home run. Look, Mississippi State's pitching. Colby Holcomb gave you a chance, I guess, but he walked seven and three and a third. Tyler Davis, who was so good last week against LSU, no percentage of an inning. He gives up a hit, gives up an earned run, walks two. Casey Hunt gives you a puncher's chance. He goes four and two-thirds with eight strikeouts. He walked five. But he mm-hmm. only gives up two runs. Only one of them's earned. And then Nate Dome at the end shuts it down. And then at the end end in the bottom of the ninth inning, it was a great swing by Monty Larry. It wasn't a terrible pitch. It was a breaking ball. It did hang out over the they plate. He had to go down and get it. Yeah. But Larry went down and got it, and my goodness did he hit it in the sweet spot. He knew it off the yeah. bat, too. Walk-off yeah. home run. State wins it 10-8. to Game 2 coming up tonight. There is another Game 2 that is coming up tonight, but it will not happen until after a very special ceremony happens John Cox, the radio play-by-play voice of Southern Miss Athletics, joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. We'll talk about Scott Berry and Southern Miss baseball on the other side of this timeout.
0: Talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm.
2: John Cox is the voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, does a fantastic job on the radio and is uh, one of the good people in sports as well, it's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon on the Farm Bureau guest line. There is a big, big game tonight for Southern Miss as they look to stay hot and keep the winning streak alive and keep the possibility of hosting a regional alive. But there is uh, another thing that is happening tonight in Hattiesburg. It is Scott Berry Day. Uh, We got the news earlier this week that Scott was uh, retiring after this season John, you have had uh, the opportunity to work as closely with him as anybody who's not, I guess, technically an assistant coach on his staff as uh, anybody for a really long time. I- I'm sure that you share the opinion that I have that he is one of the absolute greatest people you will ever find in college baseball or pretty much anywhere.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, baseball aside, he's just one of the greatest people I've ever known. I mean, uh, what a great friend, a guy that would do anything for you. I was sitting here. i sitting here in the radio booth, I was as I was re- reminiscing about the first time I ever met him. It was 1990. He was an assisted coach at Southwest Missouri State. They came in here to play. We were building what is now the uh, press box and the suites at our stadium, and I was using a table down by the dugout to broadcast the games at that time. He came walking over and said, what the heck are you doing sitting out here? And We had a conversation about baseball and this and that, and That's the first time I met him. And uh, so who would have thought some uh, 33 years later that uh, he'd still be a great friend. He'd still be, he'd be here at Southern Miss. And, uh, uh, you know, it kind of shocked me that he made that announcement the other day. We had just done a little bit of an interview and he said, I got to tell you something. And he told me, and I I was, I was really kind of shocked, but uh, uh, he's been an amazing friend. He's been an amazing coach, an amazing ambassador for Southern Miss uh, baseball, and uh, his team is playing really, really well last night, so hopefully we can do something to make this a a special year in the last year of his leadership of our program.
2: John, what's going to happen tonight? What's it going to be like when they bring him onto the field and and honor him before the game begins? And there's always a – hey, Dad, and I were talking about this yesterday, like with, with Senior Day ceremonies, sometimes there's a little trepidation when you do any anything out of the ordinary because you want a win to coincide with that and, and make you feel great about it. What's it going to be like tonight?
4: I wish I knew. You know, there will be a lot of tears. I mean, I found myself, honestly, last night uh, in that win and Tanner Hall on the mound, and I started thinking about the win and 14 in a row, and I'd see Coach Barry down there. And to be honest with you, I, I, I had a few tears in my eyes thinking, what's it going to be like without him? out there of leading this program, but I think it's going to be the next couple of days tonight and tomorrow afternoon, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere. I thought it was last night. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, uh, it goes back to the days of Pete Taylor and Hill Denson and Corky Palmer, but uh, Scott Barry has taken this program to another level, another step or two. And so when you look out there, and I'm sure I will tonight and, and see what he's accomplished and, the great fan support that he's been able to bring to Southern Miss Athletics and Southern Miss baseball i'm sure there's going to be a few uh eyes that are going to water tonight because it's going to be a special night and uh, his team is ready to go and they're playing really well and hope they can get him a win tonight
2: yeah, and and understandably so with some uh, some non dry eyes it, we've talked about this before john but it still is remarkable to me the the consistency and the lack of turnover that has existed with this baseball program where you go from Pete Taylor with Denson on his staff to Denson as the head coach with Corky Palmer on his staff to Corky Palmer is the head coach with Scott Barry on his staff. And now Scott Barry is the head coach. And I'm just going out on a limb. I think there's a chance that Christian Ostrander is the next head coach. We'll, we'll get to that when it happens. But, the consistency of this program where you just know what you're going to have every single day.
4: And and they're all connected, Richard. You know, you think Pete Taylor took over in 1959. Hill Denson played for Coach Taylor there at 66-67. And then years later, there's Hill Denson taking over from the man that he played baseball with. When Hill got done, uh, Corky Palmer, who had played for Hill, or played for Pete as well, and had been an assistant under Hill, Takes over and then Scott Barry, who knew all those guys and had coached with Corky Palmer up in Meridian. I mean, it's it's amazing. I don't know the mm-hmm. program in the country that's got that connection. When you go back to 1959 to 2023, and there's that long of a connection uh, with the guys that have been in charge of the program. And I think that's why they they've been successful. To be honest with you, there hadn't been a whole lot of change in philosophy. And the way you handle things and the way you do things. And, uh, you know, Scott Barry is his own man and does things his way, but there's a lot of Phil Benson, a lot of Corky Palmer in what he does as well. So uh, it's been, it's really kind of been strange over the years, but uh, it's, uh, it's a happy moment that uh, Scott's going to do what he wants to do and and, and retire and, and leave the Golden Eagle program or never leave the program, but at least not coaching anymore. Uh, but at the same time, man, you. We kind of wish he could keep going here at Southern Miss for because he could be successful for many, many years to go. I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you on that front. We'll talk about Tanner Hall in just a second. You mentioned him a moment ago, but it was one swing of the bat last night. Matthew Etzel, bottom of the fifth inning, hits the grand slam. That was all the scoring in the game for either team. But it was you, it was a game where you felt like it was going to take a big hit, and boy, did he deliver!
4: Yeah, and Etzel's been really playing well. You know, he had not hit a home run. Until 14 games ago. Since then, he's hit six home runs in the last 14 games in that leadoff spot and hitting 373 over that stretch. And it's been like that up and down the lineup here lately. Guys that uh, maybe hadn't done what they wanted to do or needed to do, and all of a sudden they're having great years. And, you know, uh, it's been a fun team to be around the lineup. Actually, Scott's one of those guys that's superstitious. This lineup has been playing really, really well. He's not changed the lineup for two or three weeks. It's been I could walk in here at one o'clock this afternoon and write down the lineup uh, for tonight's ball game. The pitching staff's been tremendous. You mentioned Tanner Hall, but a lot of young guys out of that bullpen. A guy like Billy Oldham, who's a transfer from Eastern Connecticut State, who won the uh, Division Three championship up there last year, and came in here and he's he's a big guy for the team now on that second spot in the rotation. So. Just a lot of great stories of guys who, have not necessarily come out of nowhere, but guys who have stepped up when somebody else needed them to, and it's been a lot of fun to be around them. It's it's a it's a neat uh, ball game. And you mentioned Tanner Hall last night. I don't get emotional very often, but it was hard to not to. He came out of that ball game after pitching eight innings, and uh, the fan, I get I'm getting emotional now thinking about it. And the fans gave him a standing ovation. And Tanner, who is not a guy who likes a lot of attention, uh, yeah. had the teammates kind of forced him out of the dugout, and he kind of tipped his hat uh, to the crowd. It was, one of the, it was one of the neatest moments in my uh, years of Golden Eagle athletics I've ever seen last night. It, it made you tear up. It made you get chills all over. It was a great moment last night when Tanner came out and kind of recognized the crowd.
2: And even you retelling that is, I, I feel the chill bumps as well. Uh, Luke Johnson texted me last night that he got a curtain call when he he went off the field. You know the the voting process is a little bit different for the Ferris Trophy for the best college baseball player in the state of Mississippi. We're, we're fortunate we get to vote for the the Connerly Trophy and the Gillum Trophy and the Hal Trophy. I'm a little sad I don't get to to vote because I would feel honored to cast a vote for for Tanner Hall. In his bid to be the first ever back-to-back winner for that award for the best player in Mississippi, we only got about thirty seconds left. Just a thought, maybe John, about what he has meant—not just this year, but in his career—and—and with maybe more than anything else, his consistency on the mound.
4: He's been amazing. Uh, Here's a a guy who played soccer. He—he said he played soccer almost more than he did baseball in high school. But man, he's got here and under Scott Berry and Christian Ostrander, he's become I think one of the best in the country. So. Uh, it's going to be fun to, to watch him uh, pitch in the postseason, and hopefully he'll have a great career after uh, college baseball. He's a great individual and a great pitcher.
2: Scott Barry tells us he doesn't bury himself in the RPI of the numbers. It's, it's media guys like us that make him aware of it. What do you think this team's got to do, John, to, to get to a point where they're hosting in Hattiesburg?
4: I don't well, they've probably got to keep winning. Uh, you know, you got to try to finish this regular season, and uh, you have to, I would think, get deep in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, which is going to be tough. That's a that's a tough league, you know that. But uh, got to keep playing what they're doing. If they keep doing what they're doing, I think those things will kind of work themselves out.
2: John, thanks so much, as always, for your time. Have a great call tonight, and enjoy the pregame festivities, and then hopefully a, a great outcome on the Diamond as well.
4: Appreciate it, man. Thanks for all you do. We appreciate it.
2: That's John Cox, the voice of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. He's been at it for a long time, does a fantastic job. He joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line, as do all of our guests on Sports Talk Mississippi. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Lance in the studio today, uh, keeping us trying to keep us in line. Haydad, the the pitching line last night for Tanner Hall, eight innings, three hits, one walk, 12 strikeouts, 114 pitches. Really good.
1: Really, really good. I know the way to put it.
2: He faced 27 batters in the game, got two flyouts, nine groundouts, and 12 strikeouts. That's a pretty good night at the office. He'll do 11-3 on the year. All right, we'll be back right after this. We'll wrap up the first hour of the show. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Mississippi, let's hey, go to Sports Talk, Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Mississippi Give me talk or no? Hey, do,
5: do,
1: do. Me there we go. We're down, we're down, we're down around Vicksburg! We
2: there we go. We're good so now. You know what would be really impressive to me? Is if you paid attention enough to, to what we do on a daily basis to know that your microphone, because of the way you're connected is about a second behind, and so yes. you compensated for that, and you sang We're Down Around Vicksburg about a second sooner than you did, so it actually matched it up with the song instead of as if you needed to wait and hear what the words were to know what the words were so you could sing it.
1: Are you going back to the other day?
2: No. I mean, yes, yeah, oh, okay. same same concept, but... yeah. Yeah. You're just behind. Nothing you can do about it, though. Yeah. Getting used to that after... Eh, sorry. I don't need to be mean on a Friday. No reason to tell jokes on a Friday. On hey! I'm feeling good. I'm looking good. What are we doing here? You go to the ball yard tonight? Nah. What? Nah. I mean, nah. you're not going to... Not Not interested. You're not going to be a front-row observer for I the miracle be, no. in Starkville?
1: All right. We're not calling this a miracle, all right? It's it's barely a good deed.
2: <laughs> Tough critic. I. Uh, so, man, I had, what, are we do- what are we talking about here? I got a text message. friend wanted me to ask you this, and I know what your answer is going to be. And I think he probably knows what your answer is going to be. But he said, if Mississippi State were to sweep Texas A&M, Mm-hmm. But not make the SEC tournament mm-hmm. with an RPI in the 30s. Could mm-hmm. they get an at-large bid?
1: No, eleven and nineteen. No, no chance.
2: It'd nobody's first... ever
1: going to make the, the Yeah, nobody's ever going to make the NCAA tournament without making the SEC tournament. That's not ever going to happen.
2: Yeah, the the threshold to get to the SEC tournament is not particularly high when you need to be top 12 in a top 14 league. In a 14-team league. And, I mean,
1: that's that's a, a knock on this team because, I mean, if they were to sweep, right, their RPI is probably going to be around, what, like 34, 33, if not higher. And then to not make the tournament with that RPI is incredible. And that's how, I mean, if they had won you know, those games we were talking about earlier, if they had won those games, they'd be in the hosting discussion. They would be down there, like oh, state could be the sixteen or the fifteen. They could pair them up with Wake Forest, and wow, why would what a matchup that would be, you know? And but no, we're not
2: getting any of that. Wait, which games are you talking about? Because to, to, to get the ones to once I spot mentioned that we're, we're, you're talking about it. You're, you're talking about winning the final two, which would get you to eleven, mm-hmm. and then flipping the script in five thought, more, I five six more?
1: I said, I said Friday, Kentucky. Um, the two games against Auburn that were close, the Friday Ole Miss game, and the game against Tennessee where you're up 7-2 to two and gave it away.
2: I feel like you're asking for a lot in the Friday Ole Miss game.
1: I am, but
2: I mean, <laughs> I thought you were going to go a different way when I
1: started talking there. Friday Ole Miss game. That's the one that bothers me the most. What are you talking about? Well,
2: I'm sure it does. Yeah. Fed had that clean sweep. Jack Doherty was brilliant that night.
1: Really good. Really good. But I mean, that is the pinnacle pitching performance of Ole Miss this this calendar year. It is. If that was the best game they pitched all year and state just ran into it.
2: And for Jack Doherty, it was the best game that he had thrown since Omaha mm-hmm. and hasn't been closed since. He missed the next week, not you know, with soreness and has been just okay since then. Mm-hmm. um scoreboard let's see Alabama leading eight to one overall miss in the top of the sixth inning Auburn leading three to nothing over Missouri mm-hmm. is it happening is it happening
1: things are in motion you know let's see what things are against.
2: in motion Auburn up three nothing on Missouri in the bottom of the eighth inning A reminder, a sweep by Mississippi State of Texas A&M and a sweep either by Auburn of Missouri or by LSU of Georgia. And the Bulldogs are headed to Hoover next week. They would play on Tuesday in the third game of the day. Is that right?
1: Yes, I know the bracket by heart. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm the guy to ask.
2: Well, hold on a second. So the twelve five is the winner of the twelve five play the four seed or the one seed? They play the one seed. Yeah. No, no, no. They play the four seed. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, I don't know the bracket either. I'll have to take a peek.
1: I think that's the. I actually think that's the late
2: game. I think the five gets the late game. Is that right? That could be right. For some reason, I was thinking Ole Miss was the 11 last year. And they played the late game. I don't know. Doesn't matter. We'll get to that if we need to on Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back after this.
0: Talk Mississippi. Here we we go. Super Talk Mississippi.
2: My, oh, my. Who is this that has wandered into Studio X on a Friday (laughs) afternoon? The king. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, got Lance in the studio today, and Scary
6: Gary is making an appearance. That's right, Richard. It's been, gosh, since February NASCAR has been going on. This is the all-star break this weekend. Hey,
2: Dad, I got a text from Scary Gary last night. 9.37 last night it said, Need to talk NASCAR, big weekend, going back to North Wilkesboro Raceway, all-star race. And I said, all right, let's do it. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line, although Gary is in studio. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Gary, before we get into the uh, weekend's festivities, I need to know
6: about uh, the friend in the van today. I had a uh, local coast coastal resident come back with me yesterday in the van and made himself uh, <clears throat> known this morning when I opened the side door. A little about two foot long snake fell out between my oh. feet. And uh, he sat there, oh. and I sat there and looked at him. But the trouble was, he was in more trouble than I was because I had just re- retrieved my long handle hoe out of the back of the van, and uh, I looked at him for a minute and I said, mm, "I really didn't want to kill him, but I didn't want him around my house." So <clears throat> let's just say he's he met Elvis this morning.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay.
6: <laughs> Did you have
2: The type of snake
6: yes I, after I killed him, i probably realized it was a hog nose, which I could have picked him up, put him in a box and made him a, you know a pet, but sorry, I just don't need nothing that don't have no arms or legs but that was that was frightening early this morning that i don't get you going in the morning. you open the door and a snake falls out between your feet Did, did you jump at all? <laughs> I just looked down at him and was like, where'd you come from? I had a bunch of stuff I had hauled back from our station on the coast had been outside, mm-hmm. so he was probably up in some of that stuff. Did you consider
2: putting him in a shoebox and then allowing him be, to be a, a pet of Will East? Will, I think, would have appreciated that no, gift. No, I actually tried to that. show
6: Will the picture, and he run like a little girl, so he he don't even want to see a picture of a snake. Let no, alone. he
2: he does not. <laughs> he, uh, he absolutely does not. <laughs> But that was,
6: uh, that was the start of the uh, day. But yeah. right,
2: that's how it started. I hope it's gotten uh, better than that. or, or, or Oh, yeah. It's,
6: it's been upward and onward all day. I've got more stuff accomplished. I am basically ready to go for next week.
2: Well, that's good. We, uh, we always appreciate your time. So tell me about this weekend, the return to North Wilkesboro All-Star Weekend. What, what are we doing on the NASCAR circuit?
6: okay north wiltsboro closed down in 1989 was the last uh nascar race that they had well originally this was one of the very first nascar tracks that actually came around after world war ii in 1948 there was a a group of friends that had the land right there and uh they one of them was a race car driver and two of them were let's just say uh distillers and they said we need to uh, build us a racetrack so we can have all these people that's got hot rods to come out here and race. Well, uh, one of the people had the land and a road grader, and they basically went out there and laid out a track. And first race was dirt race. Well, the the promoter went off with all the money, so it left everybody you know holding the bag. So they said we need to get this somebody we can trust so they went to big bill france this is long before nascar this was a year before nascar came along and bill france was able to get all the track owners in the northeast in that area to come and meet and agree to a set of rules and you know uh have officials and kind of make it more that somebody won't get ripped off if they pay the money and you know they wanted to make the race more of a paying deal instead of somebody making all the money and running off with it Well, that rocked along. I mean, they finally paved it and got them a NASCAR race. Big Bill France came in there and got it going. Well, the year after that, they met down in Daytona, and that's where NASCAR came from. So, of course, that was the very start of NASCAR back in those days. But fast forward up to the uh, late 80s, NASCAR was wanting to get big, and they knew that north wiltsboro was never going to be big because it was landlocked and it was just hard to get to but there were two people that owned the track two different families so bruton smith which was a promoter at charlotte has charlotte bristol texas a um, bunch of the racetracks he's bought well he bought 50 percent of the shares and he was going to basically take one of the races They had two races a year well he was going to take one of the races and move it to texas that's when he built texas well the new hampshire people that owned the racetrack in new hampshire they got friends with the other side of the people that owned the property and they bought the other half of the uh track so it was two promoters that owned the track well they basically owned one race each well Bruton smith took his race and went to texas well new hampshire built their uh track in New Hampshire, and they moved the race to New Hampshire, and that's where they've been running since then. Well, NASCAR ran the last race in 1989. Jeff Gordon won it. Well, Dale Earnhardt Jr. had seen the racetrack and doing his uh, search around America for lost raceways, and he got in touch with uh, Bruton Smith's son, Malcolm, which is running the speedway organization for him since his father passed away, and he said, we need to, you know, if nothing else, let's just go out there and clean it up some and scan it and make an IROC, uh an I-race out of it, you know, for the computer. Well, they did that, and they scanned it. Well, it was the number one iRock, uh, I-racing computer game that everybody was downloading. They said, hmm, well, there is interest in the racetrack still. So this has been going on for about three years, and Dale Jr. has been kind of behind pushing Marcus. Well, Marcus they decided they would go open the track back up so they they basically cleaned it up went up there it had the bones to the all the it's kind of like an old stadium gets it just falls in disarray yeah. well they went in and sure enough everything was kind of dilapidated but they modernized it and they started having some races last year for the first race they had sold out had you know maximum capacity they said hmm this may be something so uh, Marcus started talking to NASCAR and said, "Look, what if we have the All Star Race there? Because it's an open weekend, it's on a track nobody has raced on, and it's you know it's part of the 75th anniversary history of NASCAR this year." NASCAR said that sounds pretty good, so they went up there and they basically redid the entire track except for the track surface. The track surface is the original track surface that Dale Earnhardt Sr. raced on. Really? So. They, uh, they basically finished first practice just now up there, and Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson was the fastest of the group. But they'll, they'll qualify tonight, and then they'll race Sunday evening. But it's, it's kind of like taking Wrigley Field after it had won away, and then somebody gets interested, and they go back, and they bring it back. And they said this has never happened in sports history of a basically a dead stadium being resurrected back to life. But that's, that's kind of like some of the history behind it. I mean, it's, it's go- really, I mean, it's no money. It's just all money involved, no points, of course. But still, it's just going to be the, the, you know, say, well, I won the first North Willsboro that we went back to. But Richard Petty well, was by far one of the kings there. Junior he, Johnson. He, he
2: what, fit 15 wins on that track for Richard Petty, for the but, king
6: and uh benny parsons which was from up there he won a lot on it but the one person that really thought that track was more or less his <clears throat> was uh junior johnson and junior i mean he had Daryl waltrip that raced and won seven times there he had ko Yarbrough that raced for him and won there so i mean it, you know all the big names have won there dale earnhardt senior won probably Mm, he won a bunch of races and a bunch of championships there, but the one championship that made him matter in anything was when <laughs> when uh Ricky Rudd drove the Quaker State car into him on the last lap and spun both of them, and uh Brett Bodine, I mean Jeff Bodine, <laughs> won the race, and Earnhardt was not happy because he had lo- He went from first to tenth, so at, at he lost the uh, championship that year, and he was not happy about that, but. It's just gonna be, uh, it's gonna be an exciting weekend. I mean, people in North Wilkesboro are are really excited to have the track come back. There was a group of people that said, you know, had a, started a deal three or four years ago, save the track, bring North Wilkesboro back, and mm-hmm. it started raising money. And of course, it kind of picked up steam, and everything came to fruition. So, I mean, it's just a, it's it's just a, a great historical thing that's gonna happen All right. this weekend.
2: And, and it's not a huge in terms of grandstands. I mean, right? We think about Tal- Talladega, we think about Daytona, we think about some of the big motor speedways that, that see well looking over at twenty thousand folks
6: or something. Yeah, you know
2: I mean? yeah, it's, it'll be a cool environment. You got time to hang for just a few more minutes? We'll talk a little bit more about what has happened in the first half of the NASCAR season. Sure. It's Gary. Gary in the studio with us. All guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. We got more with Gary coming up after this.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, now. Now.
2: couple of SEC baseball games. Well, one in the books, one going on right now. The one that's happening right now is Old Miss and Alabama. Jacob Gonzalez has hit a solo home run in the top of the seventh inning to make it an 8-2 lead for Alabama. And uh, you got a final in game one on the Plains, Auburn, with a 4-0 win over Missouri. Got some more baseball that will be coming up before too long. 5 o'clock, first pitch for LSU and Georgia. 5.30 for Florida and Kentucky. 6 o'clock, for Tennessee and South Carolina, 6 o'clock for Texas A&M and Mississippi State. And then a 6 o'clock start for Game 2 for both Missouri-Auburn and Ole Miss-Alabama. A little bit later, start 7 o'clock on the SEC Network for Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad with you. And uh, Scary Gary hanging out with us. We're talking a little NASCAR. So halfway point of the season, they pause for our All-Star weekend weekend. You told us about the uh, the unique story of returning to North Wilkesboro. So the standings, the cup standings at this point have William Byron in first place. He's got three wins, followed by Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush. certainly familiar names there. Denny Hamlin is in fifth place. Mississippi native Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is in ninth place right now. Uh, it's what, the top 16 that make the playoffs at the end of the year?
6: Yes. Well, well, they break them down to top 16, then the top 12, then the top 8, top 4. All right. So, entertaining so far this year? It The races have been really good. Uh, (laughs) Let's just say there's been one common denominator in most of the races is the number one car, Ross Chastain, has become the bad guy this year. He is basically... Wrecked a bunch of people going for the lead. He's, I mean, he's really aggressive and he's always up front. But just sometimes, I mean, he's wrecked out Kyle Larson three times going for, going for the win. And while Kyle's in the lead, so I mean, you know, it's it's kind of getting old. A lot of the drivers are saying, you know, payback's gonna be tough. He better watch himself. So, it's, it's win any fights? Oh gosh, yeah. There's been <laughs> matter of fact after the race in a. Mm, kansas i believe it was kansas they got out and um uh, noah grayson walked over to uh no, the number one car and basically he had ross had run him up into the fence just basically crowded him out and he ran into the fence and it later cut a tire down well he went over and he was not happy with it and uh he was you know telling him you know you don't have to do this to me. and he reached and grabbed his uniform with his left hand and ross grabbed Hit, uh, noah's right hand so he couldn't hit him with a right and noah's noah's you know he's been known to throw a few fist cuffs too and ross basically sucker punched him upside the head and then nascar had two security guys right there and they jumped in and grabbed them and separated them apart and uh one of the uh track guys that's there every week with, with the TV asked ran into the uh, one of the security guys last week and said man couldn't you let your hand slip and at least let Noah get a repay, uh, uh, a payback hit on him and he said man I couldn't do that he goes mm. well Noah that got got punched he wanted he told the security guy he couldn't let him let let his right hand loose for just a second let Noah get one in so got-
2: NASCAR, NASCAR frowns on the fighting now. Like, there was a time where that was kind of part of it, like it, whether it was on Pitt Road or over by the uh, the garages or whatever, guys would really get after it,
6: but we've kind of taken that out of the game. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they don't mind them getting in each other's face, but don't be throwing no punches and all, especially after the race. I mean... You know, if you bump somebody on the racetrack, it's one thing. But when you get out of the car and go down and get in their face, that's a total different thing. NASCAR looks at it as it's not a racing incident. This is after the race deal. But nobody was penalized. Hey, hey Dad, you, you you disagree with this philosophy, don't you, hey, Dad? i just say let them go. Yeah. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, like hockey style. Uh, just let them fight, then put them yeah. in the penalty box when it's over. And somebody knows. You want to
1: that. jump out into somebody's car on the track. Get after them
6: yeah <laughs> well, it's different when you take a 3500 pound race car and hit somebody with it and then you get yeah. in somebody's face with the right hand. that's a little bit different so yeah yeah
2: you're uh, you're right about that all right, so mentioned Ricky Stenhouse a second ago he had the uh, the Daytona 500 win back on uh, the 19th of February. February. That was uh that's a big deal. That's obviously one of the, the massive races so And actually
6: Ricky has been running pretty decent here in the last few races. He's been finishing the top ten. Okay. So that's that's a big improvement for that team.
2: What's gonna happen in the second half? What do we need to be watching out for?
6: Well, we're fixing to start into the sump. this is basically what what they always say, this separates the men from the boys when it gets really hot. That's that's it's the summertime series, because it's, you know, inside the car is 120 degrees, and you've got Nomex underwear on, a long, long Nomex underwear on with a driver's suit on it. So, I mean, basically the only cool air they have is blowing on their head with their helmet. And some of the drivers have had issues with the fans going out at the race and having to try to finish the race with hot air blowing on your head. So, it's it's... It gets hot in these race cars, and there's no air coming through the car because there's no vents or anything to let air into the car. You don't want air coming into the car as you're trying to go fast. But, uh, you know, the summer months are going to be grueling. It's just it's going to be... Have they not, Gary, have they not figured out a way to do some air-conditioned suits for these boys? Yeah, well, they're, they're running those cool suits. You see them when they get out. They tuck, They have a hose that sticks out their left side of the, right about above their waist. And it's a, a quick coupling deal, and it's basically, it cycles cold, um, it's, not, it's not water, it's kind of like a refrigerant, like an alcohol base or something, but it's cold and it circulates around their chest, and then their helmet, they have a, a blower system that scrubs the carbon dioxide off, and then it cools the air, and that blows directly onto their head. And that keep, if you can keep the brain cool, the rest of the body will stay cool. Okay. But have you ever yeah, thought
2: about air-conditioned seats like you can, you know, get in a car or a truck these days?
6: It's kind of hard to do that when you got exhaust pipes running up under you. It's 12, 1,200 degrees, you know, Fahrenheit sitting right up under your behind. It's kind of hard. Mm. To, but they have come up with the, you know, the, the insulation now that they don't burn their feet like they used to. Used to, your heels, a lot of times they'd come in and the heels of, of your feet would be burned from being on the floorboard would be so hot. So then... Some of the drivers put wood down on the floor, and that worked pretty good. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of like you don't want to pour water on you when you're in a hot race car because that water will turn into steam and it becomes a poacher in that car. So they don't do that anymore. Used to you'd see them, they'd pour water on them. Well, that don't that don't that don't work no more. Yeah. Sometimes they'll still stick an ice pack in their suit, but most of them have these uh, suits. If you ever see them have the top down, it looks like a pair of long john tops, and it's got tubes that's sewn all in it. It's kind of a meshy material, as you can see through it, but you can see the tubes running on the front and back, and they have an entrance and an exit, and it pumps it in and sucks out the hot you know, the hot fluid and cools it and recycles it back through.
2: Seems like they ought to be able to have technology that can keep these boys cool. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's our key to being billionaires.
6: Well, I mean, they're, they're, NASCAR engineers are not a bunch of dummies. I mean, yeah, they may be a bunch of good old boys, but they they, they figure this stuff out and come up with solutions and all. I mean, the, the helmet deal is only like 10 or 12 years old, blowing cold air, and that come from some heart surgeon. You know, that's how you control the uh, temperature of a patient's body during heart surgeries so on how cold the areas are pumping in, you know, his lungs. It keeps his body, you know, Either cool or warm, depending on which way you want it to go. But uh, you know, and these these cool suits have been around for a while, but they the, the technology has really kind of gotten to the point that they work now. They used to would sometimes they'd work, sometimes they wouldn't, and you don't want one that don't work because it turns everything into hot water running yeah. around you. Yeah. All right,
2: we got requests on the ceasefire text line. We'll let you go after this. We got uh, two requests. One, uh, don't you have a saying about uh, if if it can spill? That's right. If it can
6: spill, it will. They said that you say if it can <laughs> spill, it's gonna. Yeah. Well, it, it does. Yeah, and if it can spill, it's gonna. But man, that's just that. That's just a line that I did for Bob in a commercial, and <laughs> I've gotten more comments on that in the past year than any other thing I've done in a while. Well, <laughs> Lance is sitting over here just laughing. He always has got got something to say about it. <laughs> yeah, he does. And
2: then we uh, we also have a request before you leave for a hey, y'all. Hey y'all! There we go. That's the Gary that we all know and love. Look forward to seeing you soon, my friend.
6: Y'all have a good weekend.
2: You as well. Hey, Enjoy the uh, the All Star Weekend for NASCAR. That was a fun little history lesson with uh, North uh, North Wilkesboro. Did you know any of that? Hey, Dad.
1: I knew none of that. I was, but I was paying attention because I was like, "This is actually really interesting." So yeah, I t- I love when Gary comes on. I learn something every time.
2: No question. Uh oh. He he's asking for his mic to be turned back on, Lance. Get it back to him. Get it back to him. Uh, he's not now it's not on.
6: The first race. Right, the, the very first is. race, there was no real racers. They were all moonshine runners.
2: Yeah, I mean you tap, kind of tiptoed around that earlier when you're like, let's call them uh distillers. Yeah, they well, weren't distillers, they were a bunch of moonshiners. That's right.
6: Yep. That's where uh Junior Johnson and That's the professional term is distillers. That's right. Gary. It's kind of like we, a Travis We tell Shally, the right? truth
2: around here. We tell the truth. They were moonshiners. <laughs> hey, thanks,
6: buddy. That's what they used to throw the pumpkin with up in
2: Wisconsin. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for being with us, Scary Gary, in the studio. We got some fun stuff coming your way in the second half of the show this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
0: to get started today. Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Well, Alabama is flirting with a 10-run rule win. They've got runners at the corners with one out in the bottom of the seventh inning, leading 11-2. Flir- flirting with it, hey dad. We'll see if they consummate the relationship. <laughs> right now, they're just flirting. Yeah, yeah. It oh, is three bought, days bought, in a row when I have just, got a full. Just bought, one...
1: Yes, just bought him a drink and uh, yeah. You know, tell me about yourself.
2: Tell me a little about yourself. Um, just
1: ask questions. That's all you got to do. There
2: you go. Uh...
1: (laughs) Words. Yeah, I I like. I'm going to start keeping a list of words I don't expect to hear on this show. Mm -hmm. And today's
2: word was consummate. Okay. Um, Dwayne and Brandon. Didn't expect it. Yeah. Wants to know Did Gary get the name Scary Gary for his driving or. Is that what his parents named him, and it's his real name?
1: Um, I mean, his first name isn't scary.
2: No, it's not. But it is Gary. Yeah, it's it's Gary O'Kane. I think Scary was added somewhere. I, my guess is that JT gave him they he added Scary to to Gary.
1: If your if your name is Gary, Scary is like an easy nickname. So sort of like if you're Jake, the Snake is easy. You know, it just they just go with you. Yeah.
2: I want to go back to our conversation earlier about Mississippi State. Let's go sure. around the SEC and let's start in Starkville. As Mississippi State plays inspired baseball here at the end of the season, I think that's a good word for it. Inspired, come from behind twice sure. last weekend against LSU. They come from behind down seven to two last night against uh, against Texas A&M. They get the win. We'll see what happens tonight. And ball game 12 to two Alabama wins game one in seven innings
1: Gosh. um oh this is kind of going through what state did last year they they they're just looking to get out yeah, called a day. they
2: are they are now nine innings or perhaps less away from the season coming to an end um is is states finish to the regular season causing you to say what if And, and the what if can be a well, lot of things, right? What, what yeah. if? Yeah, I mean, we talked about some what injuries? ifs just a few
1: minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some some of the games that that's, I mean, the, the games I mentioned. You know, state had leads in those games, for uh, except for the Ole Miss game. But I mean, we mentioned why that's an unusual one as, as well. I think this has been a season of what ifs because the biggest what if has just been if state had just been average to slightly below average in the pitching department they would be easily in a regional right now. But instead, without looking, I'm going to assume this is one of the top three worst pitching seasons in SEC history. State's ERA is above nine. They give up an earned run and inning in conference play. So that's the biggest what if to me is just, you know, maybe you could play the what if State had been able to land Paul Skeen's you know, it's kind of been well reported that state finished second in that sweep yeah and
5: that I mean,
1: a that's a what second. if I can play that it was a distant second but it was second and you know what if they had been able to find a way I mean he's worth wins what if you know Bradley Lofton has been hurt Kate's what Kate Smith is the one you know missing those starts from week two to like I think it's like week five you know week six or so mm-hmm. you know it was, Maybe if he had been in the lineup, State finds a way to scratch out that win against Kentucky on on that fir- that first Friday night of the season. I, I've always thought that game. I mean, that put State in a bad place. They had the lead. They they really gave it away. If you remember, they had, was think like it was wild pitch, wild pitch to score the winning run, and then they go they get swept. It's like you know, maybe if they had won that game, you know, that's a what if, right? So. Yes, there are definitely a bunch of what-ifs with this team. There's no question
2: about that. I feel like this is unfair to raise this question as a what-if because of kind of who he is as a person. Because he's a guy that everybody likes and led a pitching staff to World Series title a couple years ago. What if Chris Limones had made a change sooner at pitching coach, does that change anything? Because the pitching hasn't I, been that. I, I mean, they won fifteen that's, that's, guys last night.
1: That's what I'm going to say is that the state isn't winning these games now because of they've become a dominant pitching force. They're 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 having to really score runs. I mean, look at these these last three wins: nine runs, uh, fourteen runs, and eight runs. I'm sorry, ten runs. They're they're having to score runs to win. So. I thought about this, you know, like, if, if you're a football team and you fire your offensive coordinator, right, the new guy is going to call plays differently. Whoever you, ha- whoever you put in charge of calling plays is going to call them differently. But with a pitching coach, and especially since you didn't really hire a replacement, I mean, what changes? At that point, you've practiced this way all season. I don't think a new pitching coach could come in, or anybody could come in and say, we're going to completely change what we've been doing this whole season to start doing this. I don't know that that works in baseball. Yeah. It feels like if you're gonna say that, you need to say Scott Foxhall should have been the sacrificial lamb for finishing dead last a season ago. Should have been fired in the offseason and brought in a new pitching coach then. Which would have been a tough, hot, tough thing to do coming off a national title and being the national assistant of the year. Yeah. But you know, you could have made the case for that saying, Look, you finished dead last after winning a national championship. Somebody's gotta go.
2: We get a question here and says you would have to say what if state had an entirely new bullpen?
1: Yeah. Well, that's that would be. Yeah. Can I put can I put together an all star team? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, we get another message says all you got to do is go back to the past teams and see the pitchers that state has had through the years. That answers all the questions about pitching. State has always had good Friday and Saturday starters and a closer, and this year they have had neither. Certainly not. I mean, I mean Kate, Kate Smith's been good. Can't but argue he, with he hasn't been dominant. Yeah. Not not like some of the right. Friday guys that Mississippi State has had he's, through the. Years. And he
1: has been better than State has had. Uh, had last
2: season after Landon Sims went
4: out.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. All right. Let's go to Knoxville for a second. Tennessee is looking at doing something that seemingly has not been done in college athletics. It's been done at the professional level and it's been done with great results at the professional level. Tennessee is exploring the possibility of building an entertainment district between Neyland Stadium and Thompson Bowling Arena, basically connecting those two venues. So... When I say it's been done with professional sports, you've seen the renderings of the Titans' new stadium that Borky has said looks like a giant Top Golf, And there is what appears to be in the renderings like a stage, like a concert area that is attached to the stadium, in addition to the fact that they can host really big concerts in the stadium, as is normally the case. I mean, Nissan Stadium had three Taylor Swift shows two weekends ago. They are the the idea is to model it somewhat like LA Live, which is yeah kind of around Staples Center, but that's not the only place. I mean Foxboro, they they've kind of done that. Truist Park in Atlanta, they they built the Battery, which is just Battery. an entire entertainment district around the stadium. Uh, if you go to uh, the Rangers' new ballpark, they they've got one of those live hotels that's got the a shed. Yeah, well, yeah. Show barn, The show bar. The show bar, that's right, yeah. But, I mean, it's got, you know, an outdoor concert area and food and restaurant stuff, and it's all kind of right there. It's tied to the state. So it's a cool concept that they are mm-hmm. exploring at Tennessee. Knoxville is the third largest city in the state after Nashville and Memphis. Um. According to a detailed report from Adam Sparks at the Knoxville News Sentinel, the garage that is outside Thompson Bowling Arena would be joined by a boutique hotel, condominiums, and a conference space, and potentially a tabletop area above the existing parking garage for tailgating restaurants, retail, and other entertainment. reportedly no timetable on the project. So Knoxville's a little bit unique, and that campus is a little bit unique in the possibility of pulling something like that off. I was trying to think on a smaller scale. Is that something that you could accomplish on campus in Starkville or in Oxford? I'm not sure the campus lin- well, campuses lend themselves the, to that.
1: The first thing you have to do, I mean, I know that it's one of those, you know, things you also got to bypass, but, I mean, technically liquor and beer are not allowed on campus, in the state of Mississippi. So you got to pass that law first, and then you can go from there. But yeah, we I mean, all like, know where that, would you
2: put Well, we also all know that liquor and beer have never happened on campus in, in Oxford or Starkville. Never, not
1: once. Unless, not until they started selling beer in the stadium. That was the first time ever.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, looking at you know Oxford from the square leading to the stadium, there's maybe something there. And then in Starkville, my first thought is that big lot across from Frat Row is doable, not not a far walk from the stadium. I like the idea. I like the concept. I like the originality.
2: There's something that's kind of similar. They developed right across I think it's Nicholson in Baton Rouge. Um, just kind of across from the football stadium and same side of the street as the baseball stadium. I don't know. Interesting concept.
0: Here we go. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Come join the Premier Collegiate Woodbat League in the South as the Cotton States Baseball League makes its 15th season or begins its 15th season at BA Bank Park in New Albany in June and July. The deadline for collegiate players is already passed, but if you're a junior high or high school player, you've got until June 2nd to get your application in. Cotton States is very affordable. It features outstanding facilities, great coaches, and an invaluable opportunity to compete and get reps during the summer for both college players and up-and-coming junior high and high school players. They put out a complete stats pack each night. With results for the games posted nightly as well. For more information, you can visit them online at cottonstatesleague.com. All the games are played at BNA Bank Park in New Albany. It's centrally located to many great players from the region, including prospects at all levels. Again, the application deadline for high school and junior high players, June 2nd. Follow them online at Facebook and Twitter at cottonstatesleague or visit once again their website, cottonstatesleague.com. We will start the 5 o'clock hour, as we always do, with the college football fix. We're going to talk a little bit about something that the Pac-12 has agreed to do, the Big 12 is thinking about doing, and we will wonder about the SEC and whether or not they will follow suit. And it has to do with access, right? More cameras on the field, more interviews with coaches, occasionally miking up players, especially in pregame, making it better for viewers. But there's an idea that we think really Brian Haydad's idea, that would really capture viewers. But it's not necessarily a new concept. We saw it this year with the XFL, where we get an inside look at the review process. So when they are reviewing a penalty on the field, the communication between the review booth and the review official and the officials on the field. This was done recently by the Premier League and Men in Blazers, which is a soccer podcast and television show, I guess YouTube show, talked about it, and they showed the video that was released from the Premier League. I'm going to play this for you, and you're going to hear the interaction between the replay officials and then ultimately the referee on the field, and then we'll kind of use this to set up our conversation about college football. It's about not quite two minutes what I want you to hear, so... Check this out, and I promise there's a reason we're doing this.
5: Calvo, just you're going to check the penalty for you. So, this is the point of contact then. So, point of contact on the arm. Can you confirm that's definitely the arm? Is it not his thigh first? Got
4: another angle
2: here.
5: These are the two replay officials talking to each other. I'm just so, at all the angles now. Yeah, I just need to confirm that's not his thigh. <laughs> They're looking at this in conjunction another with video because it looks like it's thigh. On to arm um, his arms by his it, side. I think at a, point. It, 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 so that point, so and you give arm it some, some context. Position for the action he's making the ball comes off the. They're shot.
1: looking at a handball and it makes a that was shot at the goal. I co- shot the goal. all don't ball shot at the goal they think it's a handball, that would be a penalty kick, but they're saying that in the replay, you see it come off his thigh and then run into his arm, that's not a handball. Perfect. Right.
2: And so this communication is happening between VAR, which is the video replay system, and the actual replay official.
5: So Trippier is onside from that, so I can see the back post defender there, furthest defender back plays him on. Anything else in the APP? Now they're also
2: checking to see if there's a player that was offside.
5: Yeah, that's fine, right. Chris, it's Michael. I'm going to recommend an on-field review to, to review the penalty that you've awarded. If you Let me know when you're at the monitor. So now they're sending the referee over to a screen
1: that's Jeff on the APB, field for him APB to look at clear. it the to, to confirm, to confirm. With, the the ref- with the VAR that what's going on is what's going on.
5: Okay, so what we're showing you here is the impact of the ball and the position of the arm, but also the fact the ball does strike the thigh. now you've got the replay of the on-field referee yeah and he's you know, got to
2: ultimately make the converge. determination but they are guiding you know, him in you know, through this process
5: back after the movement off its, off the side cab you turn into a
1: crowd as well hey, show me once more, no
5: more. Once more man. Hey. do you want to do you acquire yeah, any right. other angles no they are not so i'm off. Uh, My initial reaction was that the arm was out, but it actually comes in not to out, so I'm going to disallow. I'm going to give restart with a drop ball to the goalkeeper.
2: All right, so you get the idea there, and and that may have been a little hard to hear and maybe a little confusing without the video that accompanied it, but you had the conversation between the replay official and VAR, which is the off-site reviewing entity that's looking at all the angles, to make sure that they are in agreement with what the call should be. And then once they are in agreement, they call the on-field referee over, as Hayden explained a second ago, to the monitor. They tell him what they're looking at. He can ask for more replays, more angles, and then ultimately it's his decision as to whether or not the call that he made stands or if he changes the call that was made on the field.
1: VR, VAR can recommend, but the referee has the final say.
2: Which is a little bit different than the collaborative replay that the SEC is using now. So, hold that thought. We'll talk more about that when we get to the college football fix on the other side of this break. Fox News and Super Talk News, then we've got more with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. <laughs>
0: Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Are you ready? Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: Scotty Scheffler has moved into a tie to first, uh, for first. It's PGA Championship, 3-under on his round today after carting a 3-under 67. He's tied with Corey Connors, who is 3-under today as well. Victor Hovland, two shots back at 4-under. Uh, Callum Terran is 3-under. So is Keegan Bradley, the former PGA champion, 1-under today. Shane Lowry playing well. He is 5-under today through 15 holes uh, Bryson DeChambeau at 2-under for the championship, but 2-over on his round today. Uh, Justin Rose is 1-under par. That's it. There are a total of 10 players who are under par at this point in the uh, the championship. Uh, looks like 78 players will make the cut, plus 5 is the projected cut line. At uh, at this point in the proceeding, we'll see how it turns out. Uh, you got some big names at, uh, at even par, including Brooks Kepka. Uh, former PGA champion Colin Morikawa, uh, Dustin Johnson is one over. Patrick Cantlay is one over. Mito Pereira, who could have and maybe should have won the PGA last year, he is one over par, and uh, so could be getting set for a, a good weekend. Rory McIlroy one over par as well, and uh, you can check the rest of the lead report if you're. I'll give you one other name: Hayden Buckley, Mississippi native. He's plus three on his round today. Plus four for the championship. I'm sorry, plus four today plus three for the tournament after shooting a one-under 69 yesterday. Yeah, it was nice. All right, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, <laughs> streaming with you at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Glad to be with My you at Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. To learn more about the sportsbook, Visit them online at Pearl or just stop by the next time you're in the area. It's inside the Golden Moon, easy to get to, great food set up, great place to watch games, great place to get in on the action. That's the sportsbook inside the Golden Moon Casino. Richard Cross and Brian Haydad, we've got Lance Tolbert with us today as well, sitting in for Will East, who was sitting in for Michael Borky. the the wheel just keeps on keeps on spinning and
5: the wheel in the sky keeps on turning
2: and with that it's time for the college football fix college football fix is driven by ford and your local mississippi ford dealers log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built ford tough you can test drive the f-150 Best selling truck in America for forty-six straight years. Which means uh since the year that Haydad was born, I think. Forty six, is that correct? Is that correct? Forty-seven. A little he's a little I'm a little yeah. older
5: than uh the, 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 year, the streak.
2: The year after Brian Haydad was uh, was born, the Ford F one fifty took its mantle as the king and it has yet to let go, with no chance or no sign of that happening anytime soon. All right. So let's tie together two sports, two conversations that uh, are, are, are loosely connected. The Pac-12 is set to provide enhanced access during college football broadcasts this year. What does that mean? In-game head coach interviews, select clo- coaches and players wearing mics during pregame activities, and uh, going to let some handheld camera operators have a little more leash, right? Maybe they can go onto the field in between plays. Maybe they can get a little farther up the sideline toward the, the, the players' boxes. We'll see exactly what that looks like. I just got to be honest with you. I don't know if I care about hearing from a coach during the game. I mean, maybe if it's a really engaging coach, okay. Um, who who is that in the show. Pac-12?
1: Start right there. Who is that in the Pac-12? Who is a really engaging coach? Chip Kelly? Nope. Okay. Lincoln Riley?
2: No. Absolutely not. Landing I mean, is a football maybe, guy. Maybe Jed Fish at Arizona. Okay. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: I don't know enough about Caleb DeBoer, honestly. To know what or kind Kenny of Arizona interview he would give at Washington. Now there's
1: one that's obvious, right? There's one that's obvious. It's Dion. Yeah, it's pretty. It's
2: almost like it's the Dion. That's rule. the obvious one. It, it, there's something to that. So, a little more, a little more coach access. Pre-game being mic'd up. I mean, thank you for ripping off College Game Day. That was one of the, I mean, Pat McAfee and talking to coaches who were playing in the game, or players who were playing in the game immediately following college game day was one of the better additions to the show in the last decade. I thought that was really cool. Whether you were hearing from (laughs) Sam Pittman or Lane Kiffin or Will Levis or whomever it was.
1: Yeah. That Sam Pittman, I'm going to go get a cold beer comment. I mean, that's, that's what I want, right?
2: Yes. But to me, that is designed for a pregame show. Mm-hmm. How does going back and showing me something a coach or a player said during pregame warm-ups, during the game broadcast, add anything? Maybe it does. But if they if they record and clip some stuff... Just for the sake of being able to shove it into a broadcast because they've got it. Like, it's a shiny new toy. We are forced to play with it. That's no good. If, let's use a player from last year as an example, Will Levis is honest with the broadcasters that are talking with him during pregame, and he's favoring his ankle, and he says, It's sore. I'm going to give it a go. The time that it really bothers me is when I try to plant and really get into a throw across the middle. And then during the game, you see him either zip one online across the middle or tries to plant, tries to zip one across the middle, and it sails on him. Now you've got something. Are you going to have a producer that, one, is good enough and, two, is disciplined enough to wait for that moment? And not just shove it in there because we got it. I don't know. Could not be not good. Answer. But hey, Dad, if you watched any of the XFL broadcasts this year? Which I did. You got to see the behind-the-scenes communication between the on-field officials and the replay official, and they used who, who's the Mike Pereira, right? Mike Pereira is the guy at Fox. Yeah,
1: that's correct.
2: He's probably the best in the business. I don't even know that there's a close second. But him talking through with the broadcasters, what the replay officials were looking at and how they were going about it and explaining things was really, really good. All right, so this is why we played for you the communication between the VAR official, the replay official, and the on-field referee in a Premier League game out of contact uh, context maybe it was a little hard to decipher but right. pretend that that you is a conversation yeah pretend that you are watching Mississippi State Arkansas oh, and I it's a, a cl- better one but go ahead and it's a close nah, we're not going to go to the Memphis game we're, we're going to look into the future we're right. going to make it a hypothetical you're watching Miss because uh, it's gonna be a conference game here for, for this That's to make true. sense in this scenario. You've got an official on the field who is standing at the video replay monitor, the little, the one on a tripod. You have the replay center in Birmingham, and you have the replay officials who are in the stadium. And so the replay officials in the stadium are communicating with Birmingham. They call it collaborative replay. And you've got the, the referee on the field who's watching and is mostly just watching. He's not communicating a lot. But let's say it's the fourth quarter of a one-score game, and there's a crucial review. I don't care who you're a fan of, Mississippi State or Arkansas. Like, the call's going to be big for both teams, regardless of the way it goes. Hey, Dad, you're really critical of officials. You're really Uh critical of the review process. I think we all are, say that it takes too long. If you could pull back the curtain, and we could watch what the officials are watching and hear what the replay officials are saying to each other in real time as this was happening, you have just advanced the television broadcast of college football by a light year.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I would be less like what's taking so long if I'm listening in to what's taking so long. I I think everybody would agree with that. My, My biggest beef is going to be this and I'm going to go back to the Memphis game is there's going to be moments where the refs are going to be like we screwed up but we blew the whistle too early and there's nothing we can do about it That that conversation is going to be had and people are going
2: to lose it but but you're not hiding it yeah. you're shining light on the human factor of the game I don't know that I see a negative in going to this. I don't know that I think it will happen, but I think it could be the greatest advancement in college football, television broadcasting that we've seen since the transition from standard definition to HD. And before that, since the advent of the first down line, that's your college football fix driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll be
0: back. Mississippi, Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Thanks for the assist from the ceasefire text line. Transparency is the word that I was looking for. Pull back the yeah. curtain, lift the veil. It would create complete transparency between the officials and the viewing audience.
1: All right, so what we've got here, we clearly missed the call, but because it's Alabama, we're going to just continue on with the game. So you have transparency. At least we knew.
5: Yeah, something
2: like that. (laughs) Something like that. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to be with you as uh, always. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. Big tournaments happening this weekend. Next weekend, the weekend after that, we're going to be at M-Trade Park uh, in June. I think it's uh, June 9th, I think. June, right? 16th. No, June 16th. June 16th. That's right. June You're 16th is the Friday that uh, Borky and I will be at M-Trade Park. Big softball event. Uh, over 100 teams coming in from all over the country that weekend. Uh, you got baseball action, softball action, some soccer action mixed in. Find the full schedule of events uh, online at mtradepark.com. Just go to their events page. You can register your team to participate. Baseball the next couple of weekends, then a big u triple fast pitch event coming up as well. Uh, great facility. 14 fields, uh, baseball and softball. They've all got turf infields, natural grass outfields. You don't have playability issues unless you've got lightning it's uh, it's just as good of a setup as you're going to find anyway. So, if you're involved in building the schedule for your team or your son or daughter's team, be sure to check it out at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Here we go. Here we go. It's that time of the week. It's time for a Food Friday brought to you by Polks, Polks Meat, Polksmeat.com. You can see the merchandise that they've got available. You can find some great recipe ideas. You can see all of their product offerings. And just know this, when you go to the grocery store, there's really on one, only one choice when you go to the meat department. There are lots of choices in there, but there's only one choice that makes sense, and the choice is Polk's meat products. Look for that bright yellow packaging. Got the red Polk's on it, trimmed in blue around it. Whether you're looking for the, the smoked sausage, I got a text from a buddy on uh, Saturday morning last week. He sent me a picture of the Polk's on the grill. He said, I would never bought Polk's before I listened to you guys. I now not, don't, now I don't buy anything else. So whether it's the Cajun or the garlic or green onion, onion or the smoked sausage, whatever it is you're looking for, if you need sausage, go to the polks. No buts about it, folks. Picky people pick polks. All right, Lance, this is how we do it. We talk about what we're going to do cooking-wise, what we're going to do on the grill this weekend. We get some submissions on the ceasefire text line. We're not going to throw you on the spot yet. We're going to give you a minute or two to think about it, but you're going to have to uh, have a little submission into our Food Friday conversation. Hey, Dad, what is going on the grill? By the way, hold on. Did you see the text that we got a couple of days ago? said, I know it's not Food Friday, but I want Hey Dad to know, that I tried smoked lasagna and it oh, was that. spectacular. So
1: that was, that's you, it. I think it was your burner phone.
2: Hey, Dad, what, what's going on with the grill this weekend? Yeah. I
1: talked about this a little bit. Uh, I guess it was on Monday when I talked about I got a new fridge and mm-hmm. I wanted to try to, you know, now that I got some space to put wings in there and let them dry out overnight and then be able to cook them the next day. So that's what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to do some wings on, on the grill. So we're going to let them salt them up, get like a dry brine going, let that skin get nice and, and, and taut against the wing, and then we'll cook them the next day, and I'll see if that adds any extra crispiness okay. uh, to the process. So,
2: Can it really a be a brine sauces. if it's only salt? I mean, is it brine by definition it's like called a, a liquid it's called
1: a it's, it's called a dry brine. You just salt them. No, they some be moisture salt?
2: in that process.
1: You know, I don't make up the culinary terms. I just use them. So, culinary you know, so terms, you want to take it? If you want to take it up? Yeah, cool. Put culinary on the uh, on there with uh, with consummate as things we didn't expect to hear today. But yes, I don't make the terms up, I just use them. So, if you want to take it up with Julia Child or whoever came up with it, I'm sure she, you know, oh, Richard, it is indeed called a dry brine.
2: But there you go. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm not going to argue with Julia Child. I'll not, argue with you. It's not the best not Julia gonna, Child. Yeah, yeah not going to argue yeah. with Julia Child. Uh, I'm going to the grill two times this weekend, I think. Two times. I think. Uh, it's going right. to start for lunch tomorrow. Uh, Francis's birthday is coming up. She will be oh, nice. out of town on her birthday. My wife and kids are, are leaving me for a few days. Uh, and so we're going to do a, uh, oh, a big...
5: Oh, oh, oh Yeah.
2: All of them? Uh crew, I didn't get invited. Bachelor Cross, let's go. I didn't get invited. So Francis wanted burgers on the grill, so we're doing burgers on the grill at lunch tomorrow. Family's coming in uh, just to kind of hang out and have a good time. So we'll do burgers, throw some, uh, I'll do Polk's Cajun sausage. Probably going to grab a package of the garlic and green onion as well. Have that as a little appetizer. Mm -hmm. Throw it out on a cutting board, very uh, casual toothpicks, cutting board. Maybe some sliced cheddar and uh, maybe some little small pickles to go with it. So just a little, you know, a little tasting block, and then uh, just nothing fancy burgers. I, I I am toying with the idea of doing smash burgers on the griddle as opposed to actually throwing them on the grill. I have not fully committed to that yet, but I'm thinking about it.
1: Yeah, get some bacon down on the griddle first, and get a little bacon grease down there, and put those burgers in that, and good it's to go. All,
2: it's not an altogether bad idea. It's mm-hmm. not not altogether bad. Uh, and then, then round two on the grill. So I'm going to drop Jane and the kids off at the airport on uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got a fairly early flight. I'm gonna hustle back and uh, try to make it to church. And then after church on Sunday, I am going to go play golf with some buddies here in town. Oh, and uh, then I'm going to so. come home, and I'm going to light mm-hmm. the grill. And I'm going to throw a... Ribeye. There it is. There that's it is. the plan. That's the plan. All right. So that's a good that plan. Is my, that, oh, my. that is my cooking plan for the weekend.
3: That's a good
1: plan. So, all
2: right, Lance. We've given you ample time to think.
3: Are you a uh, are you a grill master? Oh yeah, definitely. I spend Ooh. as much time, you know, in in, in Issaquina County cooking on either charcoal or, or the gas. I don't really care. It's whatever's quickest. But, you know, I was thinking this weekend, I went and bought a pork loin, was thinking about throwing that on the grill, have a couple steaks that were well-aged, some asparagus, and just kind of a medley maybe. But I'm also kind of juggling whether I want to fry some fish that I had caught last year, some crappies. So I know that's not grill, And but uh, I've really been well, having a okay. handkerchief of fried fish lately.
1: Yeah. I, I'm, I, w- I, that was my second choice was frying some fish. So I'm sure we've talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but I talked about it on the podcast and you guys saw on Twitter that the Thunder and Lightning Summer Catfish Tour is coming. And while we were at Superior Catfish, our new friends on, uh, I guess that was Wednesday, uh, they were kind enough to give Ooh. me a box of, a of catfish of fillets. I did. And I got a couple of uh, bags of their special breading. And uh, so I, I was gonna. I'm gonna do the wings this weekend. Next weekend might be fish fry time.
3: Yeah, the Superior's so, awesome. That's some good stuff. We fried
2: it. It, it up is. In I'm Camp looking forward lot. to
3: this. This uh,
1: looking forward to this 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 catfish tour.
2: So hey, Dad, will you do that like cast iron skillet, or have you got a big like? I a, got
1: a I got a Dutch a oven, so we'll go deep. Yeah, we'll go. I don't have like a, a fryer, but I have a big Dutch oven that I can fill with oil and okay. go from there. All right. But I, I might just go cast iron too. You never know.
2: Yeah. The um, may, maybe you know you had you had the PS five on your Christmas wish list this year. Mm-hmm. I think for your your Christmas wish list next year, you mm-hmm. should uh, you should request the single basket or the double basket Cajun fryer. I, Not I think a bad idea. I, I, I think you're at a, I think you're at a comparable room price point. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you got a carport. You can roll it up against the wall. Oof.
1: <laughs> I always get nervous when I see people you know, doing that stuff in their carport. Next thing you know, the house is on fire. Very
2: no, careful. no, no. I'm not talking about while you're using it. I mean, you roll it out in the driveway. Oh, no, no. I know, I know what you're saying. That. No, no.
1: I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I'm just all right. I yeah, worry. I'm a worry. Right.
2: Seared salmon and sauce gribiche or grabiche. That's what uh, Dwayne says his wife is cooking with the salmon that they get from Alaska every year. He says asparagus to go with it, polks and cheese while it is cooking. We get a message that says uh, saw Richard buying several packs of another brand of sausage the other day. Let me tell you what you didn't see. You didn't didn't see Richard buying several packs of another brand of sausage the other day. I I will be completely honest, completely honest with you. I have bought one package and have been gifted one package of sausage that is not pulse in the last two and a half years. And it came from my buddy, Greg, at LB's Meat Market, and he made it himself. And one of it yeah. was the Swayze sausage. It was like stuffed with ribeye and whatever. And the other was, he's like, you got to try this. It's Cheeto sausage. So I tried it. It was great. But I'm a Polks guy. And I told Greg, I was like, Greg, you're kind of making it hard on me. He's like, well, maybe I could get Polks in here at LB's. And I said, well, we'll work on that. Make we'll it, see. Make it happen. Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your Food Friday presented by Polks. Polksmeat.com. Remember, when you go to the grocery store, look for the Polks meat products. No buts about it, folks. Picky people. Pick Polks. In the air.
5: In the air. In the air. Loving it in Living it up when I'm
0: down. Talk Mississippi continues.
2: Some games off and rolling around the SEC. Georgia strikes first. They lead LSU 2-0 in the bottom of the second inning in Athens. Top of the first inning in Lexington, Florida on the board with a run. They are out early, 545 first pitch for game two. So about uh, seven minutes from now, Ole Miss and Alabama. That will be the final game of the year for the Ole Miss baseball team uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, 6. 6 o'clock for Texas A&M and Mississippi State. 6 o'clock for game two between Missouri and Auburn. Auburn won the first game of that series earlier today. Arkansas and Vandy at 7. And that's it. And then tomorrow, Tennessee, South Carolina will play a doubleheader. I guess it's going to be a pair of seven-inning games since it's on the final day of the weekend for those two teams. Yeah. Don't know it'd why be, they be. would have chosen to play one today and two tomorrow, unless the weather was only going to allow for one today, but whatever. Yeah. Um All right. A M at state tonight.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Cade Smith going in game two.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Chris Lamonis told to us that. on Monday it was it was kind of a two week decision that he made last week. So the yeah. decision was about throwing off and not throwing your best guy when Paul Skeens was on the mound for LSU. Lance and I were talking during the break about Paul Skeens' numbers, and the math was a little crude, but basically LSU's team ERA for the year goes up by 1.6 runs per game if you take Paul Skeens' numbers out of the equation. Eh. that's that's how good he's been.
1: That's a big jump for just one guy.
2: It really is. I mean, really, I mean,
1: really talking about, is. Talking about hundreds of innings of, of baseball, and one guy is worth 1.6 runs per inning.
2: He's thrown 86 and two-thirds innings this year with a 1.77 ERA. So you back his 86 innings... Out of the total 450 innings, but you only get to take 17 earned runs out of the 232 earned runs total. And then when you divide the number of earned runs by the innings pitched, you get an ERA that goes from 4.64 to 5.9. Whew. So one, I, I, I guess I was off a little bit. So like one point one and a quarter runs a game.
1: I mean, that's, that's still—it's
2: significant. It's over. It's over a run a game if you take him out. So you you completely understand the decision. But Chris Lamona says you are a little worried about what that says to your ball club. But what you're saying to your ball club more than anything, and they're smart enough to understand this. Our best chance to win two this weekend is for us not to throw our dude against Paul Skeens because he's yeah. the best pitcher in America. We might beat him. But nobody else really has. He's 10-1 and one this year in 14 starts. Yeah. So you make the right decision. You get a good performance out of Cade Smith. You end up coming from behind and winning that game. And then you win game three. So you get the series because of that decision. But because that was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you weren't going to be able to turn around and throw Cade Smith on Thursday against Texas A&M. And guess what? It worked out. Because you didn't throw Cade Smith last night. You walked 15 guys. You used four pitchers and you still won the game. What a a stat line. And so now you got Cade Smith going in game two. He's not facing Detmer for AM, I don't think. Didn't Detmer start last night for for the Aggies?
1: I believe that's correct, yes. Let me double check.
2: I think that's right. Uh, Yeah, I've got it right here. Yeah. Yes, Nathan Detmer started last night, and he was just average. Okay. So, advantage on the mound tonight for Mississippi State with Kate Smith going in game two. Game may matter; it may not matter. We'll see what happens with LSU Georgia. That one could be very close to over by the time. Nah, that's not. That's not right. They start at six. It could be middle of the game though. Yeah. So we'll see. What do you think about tonight? State's winning this game aren't they
1: they got all the momentum and it's it's really weird because you know am needs wins and they were they're what 12 and, 16? 12 and 16 12 and 16 and 18 12 and 18's not getting you in I and mean, their, their RPI think 36 37 something like that that's not getting you in you need wins now 14 wins you're in they need this series and I mean they need it for the big tournament not for the the SEC tournament right so it's kind of surprising the way they're playing State, on the other hand, maybe there's just something to the idea that State's going out there with nothing to lose. Like if they go to Hoover, if they don't, does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? No. So they're just going out there and playing baseball, and they're still making mistakes, and they're still having some issues, but when they are needing to find the the winning formula, it's coming to them now these last three games. So, yeah, State's got all the momentum in the world right this second, we'll see how far they can take that.
2: You know the crazy thing? It looks like Auburn and and Alabama either have played or are playing their way into the NCAA tournament. But you're going mean, to have they're, they're both tw- they're both lots to be in right now.
1: I would think. I would think, especially uh, Alabama, their RPI
2: is eleven. Oh goodness, I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah. So, let's see. Alabama with their win earlier today, they've done yes, they're in. They got fifteen wins. Auburn's got fourteen wins. They're probably both in. They're in.
1: They're in. Like I said earlier in the show, they're 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 playing to try to
2: host at this point. If AM doesn't win the next two games against Mississippi State, barring a deep run in the SEC tournament a ms mm-hmm. not getting in By a regional. Saturday. Correct. Missouri's not getting in a regional unless they win it. Georgia's not getting in a regional unless they win it. Well, I, I take that back. If Missouri to, were to win the next two games against Auburn, or if they were to sweep Auburn, if Georgia were to win the next, I don't think Georgia's getting in. I think you're looking at nine SEC teams. But like six of those nine are going to be hosting and four of those nine, maybe five of those nine, are going to be top eights. Is the SEC top heavy this year?
1: I don't know that top heavy is the right word but because there's not that dominant team, Right. There's not that Arkansas from two years ago, Tennessee from last year that's just mowing everybody down. We thought that was going to be LSU. It isn't. There's just good teams in the SEC. And, you know, one through seven, one through eight, anybody can beat anybody, you know? I mean, Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, South Carolina, even getting into, you know, um, Texas A&M has won some games. They, they got one off of Arkansas earlier this year. Uh, they, they got one from LSU. Um, there's just a. I think there's more. I think there's parity, to be honest with you. The records don't maybe show it, but
2: there are there are good teams top to bottom. I mean, Georgia's got a couple of arms they can run at you. I mean, as bad as Ole Miss Arkansas. has been, they yeah, swept it, Arkansas. Right, right. they made it much better at home. Hey, did as bad as Ole Miss has been. They haven't been a push-up. They've been in a bunch of games late that they haven't been able to finish. Yeah. I don't think there's anybody to tell you a win against Mississippi State in the last three weeks of the season was easy. Now, there was that stretch early where it felt like Mississippi State was just like awful and were just giving stuff away. But they've kind of... Kind of at that. Interesting year at the SEC tournament. I, like, I, I still look at this Arkansas team with the injuries that they've had and with what they lost from a year ago, and I go, how have they won 20 league games?
1: I, this has been know. Dave Van Horn's best coaching job. I think because this team should not be as good as it is with the injuries they've had. It should yeah. not
2: be. Honestly, I look at Florida and I say, "How have they lost nine games? That yeah. lineup and that rotation are so talented." Yeah. I mean, in in, in some but you way, say the I mean, same
1: for Vandy, and you say the way you know, LSU has so many mashers, and they should. I mean, they've had injuries too, but yeah, they should have more a few more wins. And then on the other side of it, you look at State and Ole Miss, you are like, "How are they this bad?"
5: Yeah.
2: What a strange year. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can buy Gentile at men's stores across the state of Mississippi, including Abraham's in Cleveland, Claude Julian's in Kosciuszko, MLM in Tupelo, Shirley Dog's in Corinth, the well-dressed man in Brookhaven, and Oxbow in Memphis. Be sure to check out the Collegiate Collection. Great-looking polos and pullovers. And uh, also, if you order from Genteel Online, you can get 10% off your first order just by entering your email address. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
0: Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you... Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: Bummer news from Hattiesburg. They got lightning delay at Pete Taylor Park. Game was supposed to start at Ah. 6. They were going to do the Scott Berry ceremony before the game started. Had a couple of messages letting us know that they were in a delay. Come on now. I mean, unless that's a sign that, that Scott Berry's not actually supposed to retire. Like, nope, nope. We're not having a retirement ceremony. Sorry. Man, how about that that win for them last night?
1: Four runs. They're, they are scorching hot. You know? Yeah, we we, we, we kind of joked. It was kind of like a tongue in cheek thing with "Don't let the Rebs get hot." Until it wasn't right. It was just you know, sort of like, "Oh, they won a couple games. It's funny," and then it became a thing. No, no, this is not. A, this is not a joke. This is no tongue in cheek. There's no humor. That team is scorching hot. Nobody's going to want to play them. And if they go to Baton Rouge, they're taking that regional. I'm saying. I'm saying. That, I'm, pretty, I'm, saying that, I'm telling you that now. Oh. May nineteenth. If they go to oh. Baton Rouge, if I can get Skeens versus Tanner Hall. I'm, I'm, i Golden Eagles are walking out of out of Baton Rouge with the winners.
2: Mmm. Okay. Calling it. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Belk Ford is the presenting sponsor of the ninth annual Destination Oxford Car Show this weekend. You we have cars on North Lamar, on the north side of the courthouse, in the lot that is just to the north of the Chancery Building and also in the lot that's kind of diagonally behind City Hall, just to the east of something southern. Vintage makes and models, all kinds of stuff. You'll see some new vehicles out there as well. If you are a car guy or a car gal, make your plans to make the trip to Oxford tomorrow for the Destination Oxford Car Show presented by Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. And don't forget, if you're in the market for a new or used car, truck, van, or SUV, They've got you covered at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford.
1: I just had a fun uh, dad moment here in the studio. Oh, yeah? So tonight is young Emily Haydad, my daughter's my oldest youngest daughter's first school dance. Ooh. So m- mom brought her up here to let me see her in the dress and all that. and uh, Yeah, I'm
2: sure she's beautiful.
1: That's it. It's a great, yeah, yeah, she really was, and it was, that's a great moment there, so. I don't think I've ever seen her in high heels before. She was okay. almost she was almost to my shoulders now, finally, so, gosh, it's crazy. Well, to, like, what grade you are we about talking about?
2: Like... Eighth. Eighth grade. Mm. Eighth grade school dance for the very first time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty excited? Thankfully, she just.
1: She is. She's just going to the dance with some friends. That there's no there's no boy involved at this point, which is oh, good. Come on, I didn't Dad, have don't to, be that guy. I, I didn't want to have to get involved, but uh, yes, I'm sure that day will come. I know that it will. So.
2: It will, and you can play it cool. You've you've raised her to be a smart, bright, beautiful young woman, and you know you, you got to yeah. You gotta let and we let, had a let the bird fly. We had the good night
1: last night too with the uh, the award ceremony. My daughter Aislinn brought home uh, three awards last night.
2: Three, three, taken after her mama. <laughs> <laughs> what were the
1: awards? Uh, one was in zoology. One was in I don't remember it was it was. uh Animal sciences or biology, it was it was it was but the two science awards. And then they do this thing called work keys, which is a class that they take that helps them learn work skills, you know, when you go out into the into the real world, and she was in the the, the top tier of that class.
2: So we got a uh future vet?
1: That's what she would like to do. They were supposed to dissect a shark, a baby shark today in school.
5: That
1: Yeah. Yeah, so she said she was planning but when I got home she was planning to be uh traumatized by that. So we'll see how that went.
2: Okay. You can't be traumatized by it. I mean then you gotta learn from it.
1: Uh she I'm sure she she will. My guess is she probably ended up enjoying it, but
2: what yeah, did you dissect in high school?
1: A fetal pig.
2: Really? No frog?
1: Yeah. No, we didn't do a frog. We did a we did a worm. When I was like in seventh grade and then it mm-hmm. went to the fetal pig. We named our Chitlin. Worm,
2: and then there was a uh uh a frog. frog and then a mink.
1: Yeah. A mink.
2: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. With the fur and everything awesome. on it. it smelled that. Oh, awesome.
1: It had to be terrible, yeah. 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 Oh, that's a rough.
2: That's that was rough. in uh, that was in anatomy and physiology where we dissected the meat. The frog was in eighth I, grade I biology I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. and I don't remember when the worm was. Yeah.
1: I took advanced biology and then I was done with the biologies. There you thankfully. go. Hey, I still uh, know that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell though.
2: Kingdom Phylum class order family genus species, baby. Look at that man! You nailed paid attention. I don't even know what that means, but uh, yeah, it's the shout yeah. out to Miss
1: Chica for me, and for who? Who for you? Is the biology teacher? Uh, uh, I have to get back to you
3: on oh, that on Monday. Come
2: on! Oh, hey bad. Lance, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Lance. Thank you guys. From Brian, Haydad, Michael Borkley will be back with us on Monday. I'm Richard Cross. Enjoy your weekend. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios.